Hey everyone, Louis from Kick the Jukebox here. Just wanted to let you know that what you're listening to is the podcast version of Kick the Jukebox with shorter music clips. If you want to listen to the whole shebang, visit our show page at kpiss.fm. That's K-P-I-S-S dot F-M. Okay, thanks for listening, and bombs away! Kick the Jukebox is so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the Jukebox, kick it a rhyme. Talking about music all the time. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kick the Jukebox. I'm Louie Perlman. And I'm Kyle Gordon. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to be back here at kpiss.fm, the golden stream. We're back, baby. How you feeling, buddy? So good. So excited to be back. Uh, my, I've been just all over the place. This has been the craziest month of my life. But uh, Louie, uh, you guys stepped up big uh, last show because um, uh, I got... Uh, I got stuck in a dumpster. I got locked in a dumpster. Is that really what happened? Yeah, I fell asleep and uh, I got locked in a dumpster. But luckily, there was an old radio in there, so uh, I got I got to listen to the episode, and it oh, was great. Cool, that's great. That's great. Yes, because that's how this ra- internet streaming radio station works. Yeah, that's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. gonna poke holes in your funny bit because <laughs> that's the sort of comedian that I am. Great. Yeah. Cool. Uh, awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm very happy to be back and uh, feeling good. And life is good, and dreams come true. Oh, dreams do come true. When How are you, Louie? How have you been? I'm totally good. Yeah, uh, I'm just getting back from Austin, where I was hanging out with my friends Lindsay and Brendan. Austin, New York. Yeah, city of dreams, <laughs> home of baseball in America. <laughs> yeah, and uh, really home of uh, a Trump golf course. Yes, home of a Trump <laughs> golf course, which is gross. Yeah, and not a huge surprise. Uh, uh, also, home of um, a big prison. Yes, that's right. Uh, and also right near uh, the uh, the power plant, the nuclear power plant. Yes, not far from... Uh, oh, wait, is that near Indian Point? Yeah, it's yeah. near Indian Point. Yeah, I, as someone who grew up in Westchester, uh, I know about all those things. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, they, would, they would do the new Indian Point... Um, they would do the testing, and all I knew about Indian Point is sometimes I'd be watching SpongeBob, and then it would cut out for five to ten minutes because they They'd were be doing, doing an Indian emergency. Point test. Yeah. yeah. And sp- you wouldn't get to watch your SpongeBob. No, it was it was it was fucking bullshit. Yeah, and now that nice cartoonist who created SpongeBob passed away. That's true. So and you none know what? of this is good. Yeah, none <laughs> of that's good. And uh, you know what I learned during that whole saga? Um, he, uh, Steven Hillenburg was really good friends before with Beck. That's right. Before either of them were famous. I that's didn't know right. That. Yeah, and he was a marine biologist as yes, well. Yes. 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 Uh, you're listening to Kick the Jukebox here on KPIS.FM, the Gold oh, Stream. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be covering a little later on the uh, amazing, amazing New Order record, Power, Corruption, and Lies. Indeed, Which we're really excited about. Follow us on social media at KTJBpod, and uh, that's uh, our uh, Twitter. Twitter. Kick the Jukebox on Instagram, Kick the Jukebox on Facebook. And please, if you're listening via podcast, subscribe to us and rate us, please. We would love that. We're available on all the podcatchers that you could ever possibly need. Yep. Yeah, you know, and I decided I'm going to start doing that at the top of each episode. Hell yeah. Because that's really when people are listening. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. So, yeah, and also I just want to say... Breaking news, we're recording this on Sunday, March 17th, a.k.a. St. Patrick's Day. Yep. Aaron Gobra to you, Kyle. <laughs> well, of course, Aaron Gobra to you as well. Thank you so much. Uh, Dick Dale, we just lost Dick Dale today. Oh, really? King of the surf guitar. Wow. Yeah, which is incredibly sad. That's and crazy, we'll yeah. We'll probably chat about him a little bit more in but the when future. We, when, yeah. I love Dick Dale. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, who doesn't love a good good surf guitar <laughs> yeah exactly and we haven't done uh like major three hour long commemorative peter torque episode yet so. <laughs> yes oh yeah i was uh, when was that last week it was uh Two weeks ago? three weeks ago three weeks ago yeah um yeah and i just saw the monkeys last week but yeah that, that's a whole other story wow yeah, yeah we got it we we should do a whole uh, well, I mean, it's a it's a music it's a music discussion radio show and podcast hosted by me, so it's like, <laughs> it seems inevitable. It's inevitable, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, I want to actually 
just we chat a little bit about what we've been listening to. Normally on the show, what we do is we talk about some songs that we're into right now, and then go into our album of the week. Yes. And I actually would love to start with mine today because I go feel like it. yours segues really well into new. I order. agree. Like yes. I, I kind of like that we're also going back in time. Yeah. As well. So yeah. So um, want to talk about. This band called The Rentals. Yeah, I'm not really uh, super familiar with them, to be honest. Great, Kyle. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll school you on The Rentals. Hit me. So The Rentals were a project started by Matt Sharp, mm. who is the former bassist of Weezer. Mm. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. And he was interested in doing a project like The Rentals from even before he was a member of Weezer. So we're yeah. talking early 90s. He was very influenced by new wave synthesizers, which mm. we're going to definitely get into talking about New Order. Oh, yeah, baby. And uh, he wanted ethereal female vocals and also really wanted to be writing sort of Gary Newman inspired like power pop. Mm. So this is a song from their 2014 record. Mm. Uh, and I didn't know that this record existed hmm. uh and then uh i've been doing some research about the rentals recently because i was just kind of interested in seeing what matt sharp was up was up to right and i think that's probably how a lot of people got into them is just like what's he up to especially for there's either that or th you're either interested what matt Sharp's up to because you listen to the blue album and you're like well yeah. or you're a weezer psycho and then you've always known at all times but, but that being said something to know about the rentals is that post pinkerton uh in the uh like you know in that era 95 and 99 mm. the rentals released two albums that were very successful mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with rivers cuomo or Reezer. Right. Uh, the first one being called Return of the Rentals, which had uh, the hit single on it, Friends of P, which <laughs> you probably don't remember. But no, it was, I don't it think was I a do. Hit, it was a radio hit. Oh, like, really? It was successful, yeah. Mm. And then in the second the second album they did, he like collaborated with other like 90s mainstays like Damon Auburn from Blur. Mm. Like there's a lot of interesting people on the second album. So they were fairly well regarded, but they've been a really sporadic project for him over mm. the years. And this album is actually what it is is it's a reworking of a project that he did called time songs hmm. which was 30 songs accompanied by films and still photographs that all dealt with the concept of time wow which is pretty cool <laughs> yeah like, yeah ambitious uh, ambitious especially for a power pop band you know yeah and and i think what resulted in this and this album is called lost in alphaville what resulted is like this Big, robust, like sprawling, like rock power pop <laughs> record. Mm. So let's listen to uh, some of the song. This song is called A Thousand Seasons. And uh, it really, I've been listening to it this week and it really struck me as something that other people should hear. So here's A Thousand Seasons. Okay, so that is the rentals with one thousand seasons. That's right. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, <laughs> so we're currently eating cheesecake in the studio. Yeah, it's good. Uh, that my friend Lindsay gave me, and it is delicious. Yo, shouts out Lindsay from Austining. Yeah, how do you feel about the song? Um, what are your thoughts? You can ask me how I feel about the cheesecake. Uh, sure. First, how do you feel about the cheesecake, and does it relate to how you feel about the song? Love it and love it. <laughs> <laughs> great. I'm glad. Um, no, yeah, this song, that's great. Like, yeah, super fun, uh, big power pop song, and all I could think was, like, there's always, has been and always will be a discussion of, like, what the fuck is Weezer doing? And like, yeah, and I don't, and I like didn't want to make this conversation sure, about the sure, rentals sure. and do a conversation about like Rivers Cuomo and his like confusing relationship with all of us, right? Uh, and I will a little bit when I 
talk about the song, but yeah, but I mean, it's how like do you don't feel? like if they released something like this, maybe people wouldn't be so mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, uh, there is. It's an interesting progression because there's definitely modernity to it. It doesn't feel like Matt Sharp is totally stuck in the past. Yeah. But it's also very clear that he's very much like a '90s power pop right. songwriter. Yes. Um. So this is a record that was pretty well received when it came out in terms of reviews. Uh, yeah, but, you know, was it successful on a big sort of mainstream radio level? No, it wasn't, which isn't a huge surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's no place in big modern culture for um, music like this anymore. No, I, no. Kind of, I kind of feel like this is uh, this has become a niche genre, despite the fact that it's well produced and actually sounds very mainstream in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think like... Yeah, just, uh, I mean, rock music? Like, yeah. I don't know. Kiss just said the rock is dead. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If Kiss says it, then it must be true, you know? <laughs> yeah, but this song has some killer good lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite lyrics in it that really resonates with me that I think he gets dead on is we have all this technology to write apologies bouncing mm. around in our heads. Because mm. I feel like part about being an adult in like the late 20 teens right. is literally just apologizing to your friends, being like, sorry about this late response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And I think that he kind of hits that right on the head, you yeah. know? Uh, like I feel like we're going to be constantly apologizing about our responses uh, <laughs> and about getting back to each other until we mm. just die. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's the rest of our social lives for the rest of our lives. Yeah, um, and I think maybe he's also at a point now where he's kind of looking back and, uh, I mean, you get older and you start to really, the regrets start to sink in maybe a little bit. And uh, I would I would hope so. Yeah. Apparently, he is not a fun dude to be around. Oh, yeah? This is what I've heard. Uh, uh, that, you know, he is not blameless for the fact that he is no longer in Weezer. Huh, interesting. And uh, another thing that's really interesting about him that I think sur- shows the sort of control he exerted over this album is he recorded every individual part of it <laughs> in a different place. He just traveled to person that was recording so like Mm. he traveled to his keyboardist who i think was one of the members of the black keys for this record oh wow uh and he traveled to dan auerbach i think so oh yeah i think so i need to look it up yeah Uh but yeah so he traveled around in order to um record this and then he mixed it together in himself Mm. kind of in a solitary fashion (laughs) but that sounds like the behavior of a uh of uh we we've 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 covered some uh you know brilliant but egotistical uh musicians on this show who maybe want to do it all themselves this is totally true <laughs> absolutely and you know and and just to sort of address the elephant in the room um one of the reasons why I'm on a rentals kick right now is I saw Weezer play yes, yes, last yes. week at Madison Square Garden it's a good transition <laughs> And Rivers Cuomo's made it very clear that he wants Weezer shows to be enjoyable for all different types of fans. Mm. So I heard six tracks from the Blue Album. Mm. I heard a song from Pinkerton. And Mm. I heard a Pinkerton B-side, which was great (laughs) and was really fun. And then I also had to hear the stuff that as a late 30s Weezer fan, I don't care at all about, Mm. which is... um, You know, stuff like Beverly Hills and Pork and Beans, which is stuff that I think he genuinely loves writing and genuinely loves performing. It's just for a different audience who are next to me at the theater who could care, give two shits about the Pinkerton B side, uh, which was, you give your love to me softly, by the way, which was just (laughs) fucking great. Uh, But what he, um, you know, but they all were really into hearing pork and beans, which for Mm. them is nostalgia music, you know? So, so 10 years old, Beverly Hills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah, I remember, yeah, like, I remember I was in middle school when uh, uh, Beverly Hills came out. Yeah, and that was just like a big age. pop song. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but did they seem, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to cast aspersions, but like, was it, did they, I don't know. What kind of fan was it? There, it was really mixed because I think mm. they have a really mixed fan base. There were a lot of people right. like me there who were really excited to hear the old material. Mm. And then there were a lot of uh, people who were really excited to hear the new Green material. Green album and then, the, and then Beverly Hills and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, you know, they played the single from Ratitude, which was a huge radio hit yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. know, I don't care about. 
but <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, he, the the single from Ratitude, which is so interesting, how because I don't care about it and it sucks, but like that's so interesting about that. <laughs> well, no, no. What I will say though is I'm not one of those fans that only likes the old material. I think mm. that. I think that he has dipped back into the well when he's feeling nostalgic mm. because he recorded two albums in the mid 2000s. Actually, the same year this came out, a Weezer record came out called Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Mm-hmm. And there's another one that came right after that's the White Album yeah. that are both like two of my favorite records of like the last 10 years. Uh-huh. They're like fucking brilliant. Uh-huh. And they sound like old Weezer and I think they're really really smart records Mm. but he's made it very clear he doesn't always want to be writing like that and I get it I understand you don't want to be always stuck like that yeah um and but Matt Sharp seems to be really happy with staying in this pocket this genre pocket Mm -hmm. uh and I think that he does it exceptionally well and in some ways kind of remembers how to do it better than Weezer does at this point yeah and maybe he doesn't have as much I mean you know people could talk about Rivers Cuomo and they do all day, every day. I know. That's but, why I didn't want to make yeah, this into just like no, a major discussion. But you him. did. But you did see them this week. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and, it made and me that want is to listen to them, right? And you know who opened for them, Kyle? Well, who was that? The Pixies. Wait, they opened for? Are they switching off? No. The Pixies are opening for Weezer. Yes, like this throughout is, this whole tour. This is how this works now. That's this is where we're crazy. At in our lives. Yeah. So and it's the, like the it's Weezer play. with. The Pixies. It, well, yeah, it's it's a they're double they're double build, but Pixies definitely played for a little less time than Weezer. Wow, definitely played, and it was definitely a Weezer show. Like Weezer had a giant set, the Pixies didn't have a set, and uh. opening for all of them was TV on the radio. Who were that? That's who were really great. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, who were so good. I guess it kind of makes sense, but you—they're well, a huge band too. TV on the radio just produced Weezer's l- latest album, oh. which I would not recommend for yeah, any reason. Everyone, yeah. I didn't even listen. <laughs> I don't even keep up with the. You, you, someone really has to like sit me down and play it for me. I'm not going to go out of my way to listen. Yeah, to anybody that's interested in like sort of where our tastes align with that band, listen to Everything Will Be All Right in the End in the White yeah. Album because they're very good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um. But yeah, so so, and you want to talk about a Pixies track? I do want to talk about a Pixies track because uh, I've just been really stressed out the past like month. Yeah, um, you're having you're busy. I'm just you're really busy, busy and some of it's good busy, some of it's bad busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be I'm honest, a strawberry while we talk about <laughs> yeah, this. yeah, 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 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. bad busy. Mm. Oh, <laughs> he'll eat it off of my. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say he'll eat it off my chest, which I also would do. <laughs> yeah, that would be like really hot, but only for us because nobody can see us. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've just been like swamped and. Uh, I don't know. The Pixies just like I've just been listening to Doolittle over and over and over again. The it's past a good month. record. It's just like it's a classic. It's reliably. Uh, it's so yeah. It's all reliable and um and also um also it's like there's a good <laughs> anger. It's you know obviously everyone can tell you about the P- Pixies. The there's a good amount of uh, especially on that album. It's like super poppy, super catchy, but also you know there's some like straight up screaming. So like for this month that where I've just really wanted to tear my hair out sometimes, like it's just been uh, perfect. Yeah, the Pixies have always been really good at expressing a huge range of emotions yeah. in their writing. And yeah. As- especially Doolittle, yeah. which is just known to be that kind of record. Yeah. And, you know, and the Pixies just combined a lot of influences for our listeners that are less familiar with them. Yeah. Combined a lot of influences that uh, felt very fresh. They yep. were quite grungy. Yes. There was a lot of anger. There is a mm-hmm. lot of, a, there's a raspiness to um, Black Francis's vocals. He's right. the lead singer and the main songwriter in the Pixies mm-hmm. as well. And, but they combined it with a lot of surf guitar elements. Yeah. R.I.P. Dick Dale. Yes. Uh, yeah. Combined it with a lot of like very traditional sort of jangly pop songwriting yeah, like, elements. L- like a bubblegum elements. Definitely. And very famously, not to you know beat this story into the ground, but famously the, the, the Pixies uh, got together because Black Francis put an ad in the paper. Yes. And he said, uh, looking for someone whose influences include... Husker Du and Peter Paul and Mary. That's right, and, <laughs> and that story gets told over and over again. But it's like really right. 
Yes. It's really right. It's very smart. Yeah. yeah. And then um, Kim Deal was the only one who responded to the ad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And she didn't have a bass and didn't know how to play the bass, but <laughs> yeah. they brought her in anyway, yeah. which is really it's sort of risky and creative it's very i love cool. that and i mean like that's the most punk rock thing you could fucking do oh is like God, totally. just get i mean that's and and we're going to talk about this with new order as well but um my philosophy is and always has been and it's you know it's based on this punk diy ethos is like just get people with great taste and then figure out how to do everything uh just by doing it a ton you know like uh-huh. formal training is bullshit just go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, just like get people with good taste, and they'll figure out how to make something cool. So yeah, and I, I just want to sort of put a button on this experience seeing them live, which I yeah. was excited to do. And, and that's another band. Not to sorry to interrupt, but mm. like uh, they came out with an album for the first time in a long time, and they played a lot of the new material, and it was really cool. Was it? But well, it the was one th- much they came... more discordant. Than, yeah, uh, it was not a lot of it was particularly radio friendly, mm. but I think it's because they don't really give a fuck, right? And, and they that, don't need it to give a fuck. It was good. It yeah. was good material, mm. but it lost a lot of that pre not preteen like that early twenties Weezer crowd. Like it lost right. them, but yeah. I was really into it. Huh. And they've replaced you know because she's with the Breeders right. pretty much full time now. Kim mm. Deal. Mm. Uh, they another re- great band. The Breeders are great. I've seen them live as well. Really? They're very good. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, they replaced her with a new bassist who was very good. Huh. And the the big radio hits, like Here Comes Your Man and Monkey's Gone to Heaven, uh, were so magical to hear live. Yeah. Like, just like... It, I could not believe how much like my heart exploded, and I like the Pixies, <laughs> but they're not one of my all-time number one favorites. Oh, they're like and up there for me. Yeah, hearing the, those songs live was a tr- like I would say a truly magical experience. Like yeah. just like oh yes, this is such good songwriting. These guys are so yeah. good instrumentally. Yeah, this sounds just gorgeous, and like and like um like album duplicate in a mm-hmm. way that is impressive. Huh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this song though yeah. is a bit of an outlier on this album. So yes. I want to know actually let's listen to some of it. Yeah. And then I want to know why you chose it. Yeah. But this is La La Love You. <laughs> uh yeah. From, <laughs> From uh, Doolittle. Okay, there's that song and what it is like. <laughs> yeah. No, so uh, fun for you to like. bring in. Um, yeah. So Pixies-ish, except yes. for a major thing about this song is that it's not sung by Black Francis. Yes. It's sung by the drummer David Lovering. Yeah. And uh, I found a little um, blurb about this song today, mm. and apparently, like in an interview, um, Black Francis was like, yeah, like I gave it to David, you know, like a Ringo thing. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> That's like, yeah. If you ever hear Black Francis talk, he's such a, he's an interesting guy. He's like kind of iconoclastic and kind of like. I'd say very iconoclastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, he, he, he's like, he sounds like a dick, but without with he's like the most likable dick ever. Yeah, <laughs> he had a really likable onstage persona as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I've I've never seen him live, but um, I don't know what was he like. Was he was he standoffish or like what was no, he? No, he was clearly super pumped to play all the songs. Yeah, I think it was a great set list that combined new and old stuff. Huh. I also thought the new stuff was totally cool yeah so i liked that Hmm. um and he said i think at least once or twice he said we're really happy to be here thanks so much for for coming out and joining us oh that's cool he just was like happy he just seemed really in a good mood happy to be playing madison square garden yeah he definitely they definitely got a warm reception it's not like most of the people were like what the fuck is this like like, especially for the big radio hits people were like oh my god you know and there's such a unique (laughs) band in that way because there aren't many bands that got 
that huge after not being huge. Like I'd say like Ramones are a similar type yes. of band. Like mm-hmm. um they, yeah, I don't even know who has like, really grown over the years. Yeah. They were mostly popular in the UK during their yes, initial run. In Europe and, and yeah, Europe and the UK. They weren't very popular in United no, States. not at all. I mean, not until like Nirvana said like we're copying them. <laughs> you know totally. what I mean? And like, uh, but it's just it is a really unique trajectory for a band, and like, but like Weezer, which is a huge, massive band, and big fans of the Pixies as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I, I would say the Pixies are just as big if not bigger than Weezer, you know what I mean? Like, in a lot of ways. But, like, they... they Like, the, it's so weird because the Pixies... Like, you know, I worked briefly as, like, an admin assistant at, like, a music PR company. Yes, you represented a lot of big-name acts as a head as a head A&R guy. Yeah, right? that yeah. was me. Yeah, of course. Uh, I had, You know, I had my fingers in a lot of pies. Uh, but, but one thing I did, like, I just learned firsthand and saw, like, how much the album promotion process is, like, everything. Like, you make yes. your money when... You know, you release the album and that's when you make your money. Mm. And it's just like so rare for a band to get so huge after not being big at all. Totally. You know? Well, there's also, you know, they were a a little bit ahead of their time. Oh, my God. Massively. Yeah. They, they, uh, they really projected what the sounds of the 90s was going to be. They invented it in so many ways. You know, this album in in particular was produced by Gil Norton, Mm -hmm. who produced, like, Foo Fighters and James, like, who were both also very formative, like, early 90s And then um, Jimmy Eat World Uh later. Yeah, Yeah. you know, later on. and, um, And it just shows how... They really laid down a template. Oh my god! Now yeah. this song, I just want you to speak towards. Why did you want us to hear? Why do you want the listeners of of Kick the Jukebox to hear like the Ringo song? Basically, what do you love about this song? I think it's super lovable, but I want to hear it from you, Kyle. Few things. Um, one, this this album is you could be made the case for. In many cases, was made for the case for like one of the, if not the greatest rock album of all time. Actually, UK l- voters. Mm-hmm. in some like Guardian or Poll or something like said this was the greatest rock album of all time. That's so interesting yeah. especially that they didn't choose a British band. No, they it was like, like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now let me drink exactly. some tea. Exactly, we're like blur. Yeah. Blur. Uh, <laughs> blur. We say blur. We say blur. Pick one. <laughs> uh, no, but like <laughs> I mean this in like and it's so weird to think of this album as full of hits when they didn't have hits in their day, um, just going through, like, Debaser, first track on the album, Wave of Mutilation, I remember, I love that song, it's on literally fucking Guitar Hero, Um, Mm, Here Comes Your Man, huge pop song, Uh, Monkey Gone to Heaven, um, R.I.P. Peter Tork, Hey, yeah, yeah, Uh, (laughs) uh, Gouge Away, all these massive songs, and I just didn't feel, it didn't feel right picking any of those, and I wanted to just pick like, it doesn't get more... This is the Ringo song. This is the deep cut of all deep cuts. Yeah, totally. And it still slaps. It sounds like... All, all their influences are on the table. That's yes. That's a real surf line of a guitar. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, but it's, like, got that big ambient sort of 80s guitar, soaring 80s guitar sound uh, on the lead. Um, and then the vocals are, like, great. It's, like, kind of got this punk snarl of, like, laughing at, you know crooners or something um uh, apparently david lovering was completely freaked out about recording this <laughs> and then according to black francis he was like and then we got in front of the mic and we could not pull him away really into it <laughs> that's so nice fun. that yeah. is nice and and especially for a band like this which especially in the i mean now i feel like it's kind of you know maybe a bit cliche i don't know how to describe it but like these this was a band where no one looks like a rock star. No one yeah, looks were, or acts like rock stars. Yeah. Like they Black Francis is this like kind of heavy overweight guy with like a you know like a t-shirt with like a pocket, you know, and like He sort of reminds me of the like that the guy from Per Ubu. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, guy from Perubus. What's his face? What's his name again? Do you uh, remember? I should know. At, oh at, no, we're on the air live, and we don't remember the lead singer Perubu. No, we're 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 hacks. We're terrible <laughs> hipsters. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um. But yeah, just like well, also it's always cool to see like a big guy. Uh, you yeah, know, in a rock cool band, to see like people who aren't conventionally beautiful. Play yeah, music. or conventionally. Rock stars in any sense, That's like true. You can't, like Unlikely they're all wearing T-shirts. This you know what true. I mean? Like, and, were... and not like T-shirt, t- not like punk T-shirts. They're wearing like literally like like shirts with little you go pockets. Yeah, yeah little pockets. Like you go to like a barbecue with your uncle. Like it's what you- they look like. Everyone, your uncle or like your cousin who like were you know. And that's how they looked on Tuesday when I saw. Them. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's like <laughs> so cool. And uh, yeah, I think it's all part of it. So uh, a interesting segue into uh we feel the pixies were ahead of their time i feel like i'm gonna make the argument in a really wonderful way that new order who we're going to be talking about for the next half hour now this is kick the jukebox on kpis.fm the golden stream don't forget to follow us on uh, ktjb on twitter <laughs> oh kyle good kick job. the jukebox on instagram i'm so proud of and you and facebook and food and the facebook and facebook.com and you know and we have a uh, tumblr as well um, oh yeah baby but we, all our porn got took off of tumblr so oh yeah that was really me sad. rubbing strawberries all over louie that's, <laughs> that's not right. yeah i don't know where we have nothing to do with that video we just recorded of me rubbing strawberry eating strawberries yeah we had nothing to do with that yeah <laughs> Uh, so, um, New Order, we're going to talk about their album, Power, Corruption, and Lies. It was released in 1983, recorded over 1982 into 83. Yep. And I would argue that this is a record that is delightfully of its time. Mm. That what ended up happening was that New Order was very influenced by Kraftwerk, yep. by Giorgio Moroder, who yep. we talk about a lot Big on time. the show. Yeah. And uh, they were also very influenced by um, the New York club scene, Big time, which they yeah. were hanging out in and hearing a lot of club dance tracks at yep. the time. And they synthesized it into a style of pop and rock that ended up really uh, setting them in the like absolute like uh, music pop firmament of the early 80s. Mm. And I think that this is, I would argue, this is when New Wave like came of age, yes, and yeah. became sprawling and big and matured much in a for lot the of masses, yeah. yeah, and mature. Absolutely, I think maturity is a good word because, despite the fact that this record feels like it's written by young people and mm. has a youthful vibrancy to it, it does feel like it's written by young people who have been through a lot of shit. Which yeah, we're gonna, which we're gonna <laughs> get into. Yeah, but so, the, it, but it doesn't yeah. feel like written by teenagers, right? Certainly like not. you listen to the first Yazoo album or you listen to the first Depeche Mode album with Vince Clark who I love mm-hmm. um, though that that's really it sounds amazing but it's like those are little kids playing with toys even like which I love it's like, totally fine but like, it's different like Pete Shelley mm-hmm. yeah you know, recording Homo Sapien yeah uh, he was from the Buzzcocks yep. and, and R.I.P. We've already talked about him. Yeah. But Homo Sapien feels yeah. more uh, kind of juvenile than what's going on on this record. For sure. So to let uh, once again to let our listeners know who might not be that familiar with New Order, mm. uh, it, as an entryway for them, they sprung from the ashes of another band called Joy Division, yes. who are very famous for their T-shirts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Joy Division, see- which uh, <laughs> one of the best T-shirt bands of yeah, all time. Have a great T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And we love bands that have good T-shirts. Yeah, on the show. them and uh, the Ramones. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So Joy Division was an angular, dark, mm. uh, sort of difficult to puncture. Yeah. Uh, band that was from Manchester. Yeah. And was fronted by a very brilliant songwriter, lead singer named Ian Curtis. Mm. And he unfortunately commits suicide. Mm. And then the remaining members of uh, of Joy Division formed New Order, mm-hmm. and their first album, which w- was not very well received when it came out, uh, was considered like a funeral record. Yeah, it was, it was considered very sad and uh, considered, you know, somewhat kind of uh, dour and maudlin. Yes. Um, and they hadn't really found their way. And this mm. album, which only came out, you know, a scant like two years later, yeah, is like uh, 
critics and the bands themselves, they consider this their like step back into the land of the living. Yeah. Their step back into the sunshine. Yes. But that being said, this still lyrically, I would say, and um, tonally, mm. certainly has a bit of a, it, it feel it's pretty uh, emotional. Yes. Yeah. I, I say it's like romantic in a lot of ways yeah. that a lot of um, other I think that's uh, you know it one of the many ways both you know lyrically and um texturally it like uh and in terms of the songwriting it's romantic and that was uh, in a way that a lot of other um post punk music uh dance music especially absolutely wasn't yes it, there's a real emotional core yeah this is totally where like confessional singer songwriter stuff and like great dance music meet yes yes and yes. on that note i think we should listen to the first song let's do it it's interesting kyle and i chose two songs that are a little more in the vein of like traditional rock but mm. have these flourishes that are clearly attributed to dance. Mm. And then the last song that we're going to talk about together, which is the big single from this record, yeah. I would say is much more the big, big, uh, like, sort of dance dance hit from this record. Interesting. So, uh, uh, well, well, I have something yeah, we, to say. You can, you can disagree, but let's listen yeah. to a little bit of it. Let's listen to your silent face. Yeah, let's and do it. And it's from this beautiful New Order record. Yo, it. Gosh, so pretty. <laughs> yeah, what a beautiful song. Oh, and we just posted on Instagram and Kyle's sharing it. It's going really well. Oh, yeah, baby. So why did you uh, choose that one? There, all, all the songs on this are worth discussion. Yeah, I why, mean, why this one? I think that this kind of always, this and Age of Consent, which we'll talk about later, but mm -hmm. always were to me the standout tracks on the album. Um, this is the, this always felt the, I mean, this is the like synthiest uh, song on the album, Definitely. I think. Um, I mean that the 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 bass lead doesn't or bass uh, riff uh, doesn't come in till like halfway through the song. True. Um, but it's just so uh, what a cool cool song. It's like it's so massive. Um, the production on this record is so good. Yeah, and no one else I feel. Produces drums mm. specifically like New Order. Yes, I think definitely. That's one of their real signatures is that sort of like trebly, yes. reverby yeah. drum yeah. hit that even they had trouble replicating later on in their careers, huh. or maybe they wanted to stray away from it. Yeah. But that mixed with these guitar lines uh -huh. and, and the and and the bass when it kicks in. Yeah. I think that. It, 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 it's, it's very evocative that there's a real uniqueness to New Order. Oh my why, god! Why they're so beloved by so yeah. many people. And and when we talk about drums, we'll I definitely talk about it on Age of Consent. But um, yeah, I, I've I've always just been. I mean, I remember hearing it for the first time in college. It must have been. And then I'm. I, there's this weird video floating around online of me like dancing around to this song on YouTube. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's like we'll find it and post it on our. Social I media. listen to it and I just. I, like when you're in a good mood, it's like it's like chariots of fire almost. It's like you oh, know what I mean. Yeah. It's like you want to get up and like run out into the sun. And I feel like so many albums, uh, I truly and uh, you know you can you can you know sort of insert it into the narrative new order. But like this is such an uplift. You know, it's, and something interesting. It's like this album is definitely a really uplifting album, but it's not a happy album that I think a lot of ways right it's, you know it's contemplative yes and, absolutely and this was one of the really early albums where uh, they made the point that dance music uh. can be thinky right yeah mm -hmm. and uh, have like serious depth both yeah both in terms of like texture but in terms of like lyrical content and like so many so like I'm not even kidding. Like this is a morning album for me. Yeah, this is no, this a is real a good morning, morning album. record. Yeah, I I think that's totally valid. Yeah, it, like gets good, you up and like, out let's the door. Wake up in the morning. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, and then just for our listeners to know, because this, I think this is an important thing to note about this song. That's mm. really simple but very effective. The lyrics are like pretty existentialist and haunting and uh-huh. strange, but then they end with the line, "Why, Why don't, don't you, you piss, piss off?" off? <laughs> Which is the most British thing that's yeah, ever yeah, yeah. happened. <laughs> and they don't even. And that's what's so great about this. You know, th- this song also highlights, um, you know, Bernard Sumner sang the lead. I mean, from this point on, he was the lead vocalist. He was the lead vocalist um, yeah, for this band. But, like, he's not... He's the vocalist, but he doesn't feel like the lead instrument of the band. You know what I mean? Like, first mm-hmm. of all, he's he, a classic example of a great vocalist who can't sing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and uh, also, especially on this song, he's barely singing, and then at the end when he says, why don't you piss off, he doesn't even sing it. He That's just right. says it. Yeah. Um, and it's like... And it really shows that this band has no lead, like, especially coming, and this is, you know, everyone will say is like, this is New Order coming into their own, breaking away from the shadow of Joy Division. Yes. Um, in more ways than one. Like, this was a band in which there was no lead. Mm-hmm. Um, in any, in lead, in any sense, like, sometimes the Vocals will be lead. Sometimes the bass will be lead. Sometimes the keys will lead, be lead. Sometimes the drums are even lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in, sometimes in the same songs. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And especially coming from a band where Ian Curtis was this otherworldly, massive uh, presence, mm-hmm. one of a kind uh, talent. And I mean, he's a weird-looking guy, moving weirdly, singing weirdly, Definitely. writing weird fucking songs, mm-hmm. and. You know, this kind of is a real step, and it, this song I feel like encapsulates their um, it's coming into their own. Uh, yeah, I think that's very fair. Mm-hmm. And speaking of coming into their own, mm-hmm. this is that was a bad segue. <laughs> uh, let's listen to "Leave Me Alone," which is the album closer. Let's do it. Uh, which is my choice, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, I love this song. I think the song's gorgeous. Here we go. A hundred unions no, I watch them walking, crawling in a row. We live always underground. It's gonna be so quiet in here tonight. It's a thousand islands in the sea. It's a shame. All right, so beautiful. Um, so, Louis, yeah, what, uh, what drew you to this song? <laughs> okay, so first of all, something that I really like is the long, long instrumental intro. Love it. It sets the tone so well. In that sense, the two songs we picked are uh, very similar. Somewhat similar, yeah. yeah. And I feel like the guitar line and the way it intertwines with the bass mm. and, the, and the rhythm guitar, mm. to me, it reminds me a lot of television, mm. one of my favorite bands. Interesting. And I think that this is a really interesting example of taking some like post-punk music, mm. punk music that was a little more esoteric, mm. and all of like six years later, making it something that was much more digestible. And danceable, I And think. danceable, yeah. absolutely. And that's something I really, really like about this album, or about this song. Yeah. And, then, and then also, too, I think that this song captures like the storyline that we've sort of been told about the band at this time hmm. that they're still sad yeah. but they're getting over it <laughs> yeah 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 that, i feel like the, there's a lot of hopefulness in this song yeah. but it's not bullshit hopefulness right it's uh, it, it like sort of deals with this sweeping range of emotion lyrically mm-hmm. and musically as well mm. yeah so that's why i chose it Ooh. yeah yeah i um i uh well, one, I'm realizing I accidentally deleted my notes about this song, but... That's okay. Just talk <laughs> off the cuff, Yo, hey, I had some prepared remarks, <laughs> but I'm going to speak from the heart. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, I... Um, it's interesting, yeah, because this... I think very much uh, that is true about this song, um, you know, them, them kind of emerging from... Um, the depths of sorrow and also it's the i would say it kind of contrasts because i think this is the sort of the least synthy song it is. It's on the, the album ro- yeah it's the most rocky song but it, sure. that was that's what makes it interesting it kind of would say so it's like it it um takes some of the 
uh, sounds of post-punk. Like, it could be, you know, you, you twist a few things, it could be like a Cure song. Definitely. Um, uh, but but it's at its core, it's still a dance song, and every song on this album is a dance song in that there's no verse-chorus, verse-chorus bridge. Mm-hmm. It's, we they take a riff, mm-hmm. and then they add to it, they play it, they... But but there's one riff that sort of rides throughout the song, and the work is adding different elements to make that core cool riff interesting and dynamic and different. And it's really cool to hear that, which with instrumentation that sounds so just like a classic post-punk sound, um, but like making it into a dance. Yeah, and the record. lyrics and the vocal elements are just another sort of loop to be used. In yeah, the, in the, the or riff to be used in in this in this dance piece. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah I mean, let's talk about Age of Consent. Mm. Uh, let's get into it. So, okay, so Age of Consent was a big single for them. Mm-hmm. It sold really well. Mm-hmm. However, something for listeners to know is that their most well-selling single was Blue Monday. Yep. Which was the, (laughs) is still the best-selling 12-inch of all time, indie 12-inch of all time. In the UK, I think. I think in the world. Oh, really? Yes, I think I was researching that today. Wow. it's not a surprise. No, doesn't surprise me at all. Blue Monday is gorgeous. Amazing. And then this album came out two months after Blue Monday. Right. And they had to put stickers (laughs) on this record that said this record does not contain Blue Monday. <laughs> yeah. Because Blue Monday was so popular. Yeah. And uh, this was an attempt, I think, to write a follow-up single mm. that was not a copy of Blue Monday. Right. That was taking their fascination with electronic dance music in another direction. Right. Yeah. Um, but still tying it and tethering it to sort of Joy Division in a way. Totally. Yeah, there's a Joy Division-ish uh, aspect to this. I th- I, yeah, I think the, I think the, the guitar, the lead, you know, just the, the sort of angular guitar and the 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 Peter uh, Hook's bass lead, mm-hmm. um, all those elements sort of tether it back. But it, it's still definitely a dance song. And like, um, why don't why don't we take a listen to it? Yeah, but, let's uh, listen to some of it now. That's a really good idea. Let's just yeah. do it. Let's just get into it. Woo! Here's Age of Consent. Get ready to dance, everybody. If you've never <laughs> heard this, it's real gorgeous. Did you hear that beautiful synth line? Because I sure did. Woo! <laughs> Had to wait for that. Um, I mean, is this one of the best side one track ones of all time? Yeah. Like, like are you this kidding me? This is the me? way this album launches into itself. Oh, my itself. God. <laughs> and this, like... It's unbelievable. Like, you should, like... It's unbelievable. Every... I can't believe it happened. I, I can't believe we just heard that. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I get up in the morning and I put this song on. You have to time it. For when you walk out the door into the street, sure, and it feels like the f- this day, this is the first scene of the movie of your life. Absolutely, <laughs> it's yeah. like if you feel almost corny. It's it's so per- so perfect, uh, but yeah, like put this thing on as you walk out your door in the morning, and you will be better that day. And and speaking of uh, movies, this song was supposed to be used in Wayne's World 2. Did you learn really? this? Really? No. It was supposed to be used in Wayne's World 2, but they couldn't afford the rights, <sighs> so they had a cover band play it. And really? there's a cover version of it on, huh. on, on, in Wayne's World 2. Interesting. Ta-da! What? But it's, it's definitely a, a very swe- a sweeping cinematic song, and I feel like I'm using the same words to describe all these tracks mm. but i think i'm hitting it like but also the, the grandiose it, mm-hmm. you know soaring, soaring yeah. yeah there's a depth there's a real depth to this uh-huh. music yeah but also like that synth riff really grounds it in the world of dance right which is really cool yeah and also yeah similar it's like but also that guitar riff um which is a bass Yes, uh, and it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's really uh, something that's very notable in the song is how good the guitar riff is. But that yeah, it's amazing, and that's um, 
I mean, that's a dance song. Is like that. That anchors the whole. It that plays throughout the whole song, and then they layer and um, move around that. You know, it's not. The, I mean, in a lot of ways, they're more of a dance band than they are like a post-punk band or a punk band. You know, just because the core structure of the song um, fits that mold. Yes, which is just the best. The best. And we were talking a little bit about that. Um, the drum, uh, the drums. I mean, is so. Fu- Whenever I, I never uh, air guitar or do any. You got to do the air drums to yeah, that. Yeah, we were both air drumming to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you should follow us on Instagram to see our Instagram stories with us air drumming. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't trying to shill just there. Uh, <laughs> but this has been a, a good convo about this about this wonderful band and this wonderful album and and also one more little thing to add. Probably the only album of theirs that's discussed as a whole yeah because they're all actually other than this record mainly a singles band. i was about yes so definitely. so this is the album to pick up if you want a feel for what new order was doing at the time right and if you want a feel for new order as a whole and their entire discography mm-hmm. is really good they released an album a few years ago called music complete uh. that is so great that i love but Definitely, uh, you'll get a really good feel for them. Otherwise, if you want to check out all their singles, and yeah. I highly recommend the singles so. compilation is great, and it's, it, it's chronological. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And if you really like soccer, you can listen to uh, the single "World in Motion," which they wrote for the 1990 British uh, English football team. How wonderful! <laughs> it's so, also a great song. So this this wraps up another kick the jukebox. Kyle, as always, it's been a pleasure. Oh, always Where a joy. Where can people see you in the next little while? I know you have some pretty good shows. Oh yeah, out. definitely come check me out. Uh, a week from yesterday, Saturday, March twenty third, at Mad Tropical at yeah. seven thirty in Brooklyn. It's Kyle and Sam's comedy party. Uh, always great. We're in a new venue now, and it's gonna be popping. Awesome. And guess what? We have competing shows. Oh, do we? I know. Does that suck? I was about to say, yeah. I know. know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm also performing on March 23rd for the Hip Hop Improv Night at the New York uh, Improv Festival. theater festival oh nice yeah which is uh at the pit it's on march 23rd and it's at eight. Oh, perfect i mean barf all <laughs> like, right so well so if you're team kyle you'll go to mine if you're team louis you'll go to louis actually you know what <laughs> i want us to pit our fans against us yeah. to see who gets more people at what show <laughs> uh, yeah yeah team kyle versus team louis perfect but yeah you know um please check us out check us out online at all the social media ktjb pod um kick the jukebox on instagram let us know what albums you want us to cover. Yeah. And please, you know, check us out. Uh, check out all the other great shows that are on kpiss.fm as well. There's a lot of really good stuff going on on kpiss. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, this has been awesome. This has been Kick the Jukebox. I forgot to cue up our theme song, but I'm going to do it right now. And then we're going to say goodbye. Kyle, it's been contemplative. It's been <laughs> dancey. Talk to you soon. See ya. Talking about music all the time.